0: This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We are continuing our toxic series today. So we launched our series last week uh, that we were calling Toxic. And we talked about toxic thoughts. And so if you missed it, you can check it out on the the podcast It's centralchurch.cc slash podcast, and you can get caught up if, if you want to sort of fill in the gaps and fill in the holes. But last week we talked about toxic thoughts, and we said that essentially we need to be the bouncer of our brain, right? Like at a nightclub, we need to be the bouncer of our brain, and we need to ID every single thought that tries to enter our head, right? We need to identify those thoughts and like card them at the door. And if we have negative thoughts or toxic thoughts trying to enter, we say, uh-uh, you got to go, right? And so we talked all through that on how we need to identify and then we need to reject. But not only do we need to identify and reject and then walk around with an empty empty head, but we need to replace those toxic thoughts with truth, with the truth of God. And so we kind of threw out some challenges for people to kind of embrace that and wrap their head around it and all that. But I do want to say this um, after talking last week. I got a lot of positive feedback from last week. And, um, but I do want to say this, I want to be very, very clear, because I mentioned it in passing, and I didn't really spend a ton of time on it, but I want to be um, very, very upfront about this idea of, like, clinical depression and um, these, like, clinical anxiety and, and anxiety disorder and all these things. Listen, I was not taking the approach last week that you can just pray that stuff away, Okay? I mean, I don't want to take away from the power of prayer and all that, but I also don't want you to, like, stop taking your meds and seeing your doctors and all that because you're just going to, you know, you're going to pray this stuff. I'm not saying that at all. I want to be very, very clear. I don't want to discount those things as, as serious things, real things, okay? And so I want to be very upfront and let you guys know that. I hope you didn't walk away from that thinking that I was, you know, taking the Bible Belt approach that you can just pray it all away and all that stuff, okay? There's doctors and medicine and stuff for a reason, right, and God works through all of those things as well, so I just want to throw that little caveat on there, Uh, so if you're listening online and you heard last week and you're like, uh, wait a second, uh, just want to clarify a little, okay, so today, last week, toxic thoughts, today, we're talking about toxic relationships, yes, so excited, Valentine's Day is what, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, see, I'm in trouble, thank you for that. Uh, Valentine's Day is Wednesday, so today is Sunday, so that gives you four days to get this stuff figured out before Valentine's Day. What did I say? See? I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. My wife's not in here, is she? Cool. I'm covered. She doesn't listen to the podcast, so I'm good. Um, (laughs) She's like, I hear you talking now. Hey, babe. Nice to see you. Glad you're in here. Awesome. We're going to hang out on Thursday, okay? We're going to hang out on Thursday. Valentine's Day. i got it locked in my brain on my calendar Tattooed on my heart. Okay. Um, toxic relationships, yeah. Um, it, it's really cool. So people and relationships, they can be your greatest spiritual asset. People and relationships can be your greatest spiritual asset. I, I hinted on this, I think, last week and a few weeks ago. I I talked about it, how we're designed to go through life in community. Our faith journey is not meant to be lived alone. We're not meant to go through this thing by ourselves, and we're meant to go through it in community with other people. That's why church is so important. That's why faith communities are so important. That's why having a safe, secure, healthy group of friends is so vitally important to your well-being and to your holistic approach to life. But people can be your greatest spiritual asset. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 talks about how iron sharpens iron, how we can spur each other on. We can inspire each other. We can help each other. We can celebrate on the mountaintops with each other and we can wallow in the sorrow of the lows together. We can carry each other's burdens and all of that. We are meant to do life together. And so people can be your greatest spiritual asset. We are created and designed to go through life in community. The way that we are called to follow Jesus is in community. But the reverse is also true. People can be your greatest spiritual asset. Relationships can be your greatest spiritual asset, but also people can be the greatest toxicity to your spirituality. People can be the greatest asset, but they can also be the biggest stumbling block. They can be the biggest source of toxicity in your faith journey, in your spirituality, in your life. Because the reality is we are so vulnerable to influences. We're so vulnerable to the voices that we allow to speak into our lives, positive and negative. When people speak into our lives, it shapes who we are and where we're going. And we see it all the time with young people, right? We see it all the time with, with when kids get into like fourth grade, fifth grade, uh, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. Gosh, that whole span right there, right? Like the whole pre-middle school, middle school, and a little bit post-middle school years. We see it all the time, right? You have like little Susie who loves, what? whose name is, are there any Susies in here? No, you're, no, okay, Uh, Susie, Susie, yeah, there we go, okay, so there's Susie still, okay, I'm like, where did that name come from, why did I say that, Um, so like, you know, little, little Susie, she gets great grades. Right? We see her in fifth grade and sixth grade, and she gets great grades, and she's full of hope, and she's happy, and she's joyful, and she's involved in conversation, involved in her family, engaged in life, and engaged in activities, and engaged at school, and all these different things. She loves school, great conversation, healthy, takes care of herself, all this stuff. You got little Susie that's just living the dream, right, doing her thing, and then you see this same little Susie get involved with a friend group that's not such a very good influence, Right? This is hypothetical, but we see this all the time. Not such a great group of friends and gets involved with the wrong crowd, and then evidently everything is seemingly down the toilet from there, right? School, who cares? Not getting good grades. Not making good decisions. She loses that joyfulness, that happiness, that, that hope. She takes on this Eeyore complex, right? Where she's, oh, man, life sucks, whatever, Right? And you see her walking through the the hallways and through school doing these things. She's less involved. She's not engaged in life and activities. And she just wants to come home, sit in a room by herself and all these. You know, you see all of this. Some of you are like, Sam, you just described puberty, right? But, But we see this in friend groups all the time when kids are young, right? And in middle school and in high school. If you have any experience with this sort of thing, you see how powerful friend groups are and how powerful those influences are on young minds and young kids, right? But as we get older... There's less checks and balances for us, right? We can measure it with little kids because it's like, hey, your schoolwork's falling behind. Hey, you're not talking to your parents at dinner. You have parents and family and community checking in on these kids. But as we get older, there's less checks and balances. There's less people checking in on us, if we're being honest. There's less people checking checking in on how we're doing. We don't have a conversation with our mom at the dinner table every night, forcing us to have dialogue like we used to when we were younger, right? We don't have someone checking in on our, on our work and our proficiency and all these different things. We, there's less checks and balances, and so it becomes easier for us to drift. It becomes easier for us to be influenced by other people in a negative way. It still happens, we just don't notice it as much. And so the, the reality is this, people, all people, you, me, all of us, we contain something poisonous. All of us do. We all contain sin, right? We're all broken. We're all messed up in one way or the other, right? Some of them are more uh, vocal sins. Some of them are more hidden sins. But the word of God says, the Bible says, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody, everybody, everybody's got that going on, right? We all have something poisonous to bring to the table. And so here's the deal. That means we have to be intentional. That means that we have to choose our relationships on purpose, we can't just let life happen to us. We can't just, oh, well, I work next to this person, so therefore I'm going to give them all the influence in my life. I'm going to open up and just let, I, I'm just going to let it happen. Just like we have to guard our mind from all these negative thoughts and different things that can come in and just totally bring toxicity to our, to our headspace, we have to do the same thing in our relationships. We have to choose our relationships on purpose and be intentional. We need to guard against toxicity. And so that's kind of what we're talking about this morning is how do we guard and manage our relationships and guard against these toxic influences that can come in and steer our paths in a, in a direction that we don't want them to go? And then we end up 10, 15, 20 years down the road, saying, "What the heck? How did I get here? How am I the most negative person I know? How am I so judgmental? How am I so critical of other people?" How is this that I just spew hate rather than love? How did this happen? Well, it starts in baby steps. You don't jump from being, you know, little Susie getting straight A's to little Susie the drive. It doesn't just like jump. It's a slow progression. And so we gotta be intentional and make choices on purpose to guard against toxicity coming in to our hearts and to our lives and to our relationships. So let's pray together and then uh, we're gonna check out a couple passages. It's It's gonna be sweet. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for your word Thank you so much for relationships. It's super cool that, that we are designed and we're wired to do life together. It's super cool that we're all so different and we're all so unique, yet we all bring something to the table. And God, this morning as we, as we examine the relationships in our lives, as we examine you know, the, the, the connections that we have, the people that we allow to have influence and speak into our lives, God, I pray that you would give us grace, that you would give us understanding, you'd give us clarity, you'd give us empathy. God, I pray you do work in us today. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 is sort of the guiding verse of today. It's sort of the, the, the big idea. And it says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, 1 Corinthians, for those of you who don't know, there was this church planner. I'm going to talk about him in a second. His name was Paul in the first century, right? And so he's responsible for writing a lot of the New Testament, and I say this all the time, but I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. We're not like, oh, Paul, the guy that waved earlier, that's the guy that wrote this? Okay. But Paul is this first century church planner who wrote letters to different churches in the Middle East. He wrote a church. He wrote a letter to a church in Corinth, the people who lived in Corinth were called the Corinthians, and so he writes the Corinthians, and he says, don't be misled. He's talking to them about how you have a holistic approach to following Jesus, how you live out this faith and He says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I like how he starts off the first part of this. Don't be misled. I think that's kind of a warning because he knows that they're getting it twisted. He knows that they're getting it all jumbled up and they're approaching this thing different. I think there's two things that that can be said about this idea of don't be misled. I think the first thing is that he's saying, hey, listen, don't think that you're above this. Don't think that this applies to everyone but you. Don't think that you don't have to abide by this idea or this principle because it's going to happen to you as well. Don't think that you're different, that bad company corrupts their character, but you can hang out with whoever you want, and it'll never penetrate your heart, and it'll never change your life. Don't think that you are above this. Don't think that it can happen to others and not me, right? He says, don't be misled. Don't come at this thing backwards. Don't get it twisted and think you're above this. The second thing I think he's saying here is don't think that it's the other way around. Don't think that your good character is going to elevate your bad company. Because that's not the way that it works. I remember being in middle school and high school, and I grew up in, in youth groups and in churches and all this stuff. And uh, we would, we, uh, there was this terminology of missionary dating, right? Where like you got this person who like loves Jesus and all this stuff, and then there's this person who's like really the not good, the bad boy, you know, the rebel, the whatever. And uh, you would say, well, I'm gonna date this person, and then I'm gonna like pray with them and lead them to Jesus, and it's going to be this great missionary experience where I'm going to reach out to them and they're gonna fall in love with Jesus because of my holiness, right? Did any of you ever experience that growing up in youth group? You know what I'm talking about. I get a couple head nods. Some of you are looking at me like, huh? It's okay, if you didn't grow up in youth group, you're totally lost on this analogy, but that's okay. It's this idea where you go and you think, I can raise their character. My good character is going to elevate them. But nine times out of 10, listen, or should I say 11 times out of 10, okay? 11 times out of 10, they won't rise. You will slowly, steadily, but surely sink because it's so much easier. It's human nature. It's so much easier for you to sink down to their level than to battle every single thing that happens and raise them up to your level. It's a difficult task. And 11 times out of 10, it doesn't really work. And so he says, don't be misled. Don't come into this thing confused. This is not ambiguous. Am- ambiguous. I knew I threw in an extra syllable in there somewhere. I was like, that didn't sound right. This is not ambiguous, right? Don't be misled. Okay. Bad company corrupts good character. And so he says, bad company corrupts good character. This is when we find ourselves okay with things that we were never okay with. We find ourselves being accepting of things that we know deep down in our core values and our core heart of hearts that this is not the right thing. And we find ourselves just kind of easing into, oh yeah, things that were never okay are now okay. Or we find ourselves engaging in activities and doing things that, that go completely against our conscience. Right? and go completely against and contrary to our values. And we find ourselves slowly but surely taking steps in that direction. Or you find yourself shifting and changing, and it's not for the better. It's slowly but surely for the worst. And so he says, don't get it twisted. Bad, good, bad company corrupts good character. Be intentional about who you're keeping company with. Be intentional about who you're allowing to speak into your life. And then there's another passage in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. And this, is, this one's a little more extreme, right? This is a little more, like, invasive and intense and in your face. It says, avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. I mean, that's, pretty, that's pretty intense, right? That's, that's pretty hardcore. He's saying, avoid the stuff that's taking you away from God right? Avoid those sort of conversations. Avoid those sort of friend groups. Avoid those sort of, you know, uh, relationship circles. Because it's, if you indulge in it, it's going to get you further and further and further from God, slowly but surely and consistently, right? And he says their teaching will spread like gangrene. Guys, gangrene. Do you guys know what gangrene is? I mean, you hear about it, but do you, do you really know what it is? I've I heard about it, man. It is absolutely disgusting gangrene is where blood stops flowing to that part of the body right so essentially life the life-giving force stops being given to that part of the body and that part of the body eventually dies and eventually has to be cut off so i mean this is a huge metaphor here this is a huge word picture that's being used when we allow these toxic relationships to speak into our lives what happens to us we get less and less life from these relationships less and less life until that part of us dies and eventually has to be cut off. Now, if you get queasy, okay? You can close your eyes for a few minutes. But I'm going to show you a picture of gangrene, okay? Because I feel like I feel like this paints a very Yeah, listen. I searched this before church and almost threw up in the balcony. There are do not do a Google image search of gangrene. This is very very mild, okay? In comparison to what you will see that you can never unsee, okay? And so if you have a queasy stomach, if you had six donuts in the lobby, I'm not judging. I'm just saying you may want to close your eyes for this because we don't want to clean up your digested donuts off the carpet, okay? Um, but, but go ahead and show this picture of gangrene. Go ahead and close your eyes if, if it's not you. But go ahead and show this picture of gangrene. Look at that. Look at that. The blood and the life stops flowing to the extremities. Okay, you can take it down. You, can, you, guys, you guys get it? You get it? Cool? Okay. Those of you who had your eyes closed, you can open them. It's me, smiling, see. hey, Everything is awesome. Okay. But I think that paints a really, really vivid picture of what happens to us when we allow toxicity to creep in. Right? Their feet don't, that foot didn't go from looking totally normal to looking like that. Slowly but surely, life was taken away. Life got, stopped being fed to that part of the body. And slowly but surely, it died. And it eventually will need to be cut off or else it will continue to spread. I feel like this is a vivid picture of what the wrong company and wrong relationships can do to us. What it can do to us relationally. What it can do to us spiritually. When we engage in the wrong relationships, it can be toxic to us. And so I I feel like there's three main culprits um, of this sort of toxic company that I just want to hit on very, very briefly. Things that we can really, really look out for. You know when we're like being the bouncer of our brain and now we're going to be the bouncer of our our relationships and not allow just anybody to speak into our lives? I think these are three areas that we can really, really look out for and really, really be intentional about. The first one is negativity. Negativity in our relationships can be toxic, incredibly toxic. The consistent and constant judgmental, the consistent and constant critical, the gossiping, the complaining That stuff is toxic. We see it in scripture when the Israelites are freed from Egypt, right? Moses comes in, Pharaoh, let my people go, and the whole deal. You've seen the Charlton Heston movie, okay? And this whole thing happens, and the, the Egyptians or the Israelites are out in the wilderness, and they start complaining, and they get super negative, and it spreads like wildfire among their people. Well, at least in Egypt, we had a place to lay our head. At least in Egypt, we had soup that had meat in it, blah, 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 blah. And they're complaining. It becomes super, super toxic situation, and Moses has to address it. That can be super toxic to our relationships, allowing negativity to be spoken. In. Can you believe he said that today? Can you believe that she wore that to church today. Can you believe that that happened? Can you believe that they treat their kids that way? Can you believe they let their kids treat them that way? This critical, judgmental, analytical, just toxic, toxic negativity in our lives. Guys, we got to guard against that. We got to be intentional to to shut that down. Like, no, I don't need any of that in my life, man. I'm going to guard my relationships. I'm going to guard what I allow to be spoken into. The second one is the controller, right? The controller relationship. And this is one we gotta watch out for. This this is the one they come across as like super caring at first, but then you realize they're super overbearing, right? They're coming on super, super strong and they're demanding and they're manipulative and they work different angles and different conversations to manipulate the things and all this stuff, all to get control and to dominate and be in charge and do all these different things, right? And it ends up at times they could be abusive, they use a lot of guilt and shame to manipulate things and cause certain feelings and emotions in other people, guys. We got to be careful about the controllers in our life. We got to be careful. We got to be aware. We got to stand guard and not let that stuff come in and be toxic to our spirituality and toxic to our faith journey and toxic to our other relationships. The third one is the tempter. The third one is the tempter. And yes, this applies sexually. You know, the sexuality tempter, right? The, 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 the lady that's talking to the, 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 the married guy at church and coming on, or at, at work and coming on way stronger than she should because he's married. Church, too. It happens. I mean, it happens, right? Or the guy that's, that's spending a little bit too much time with the married lady at work, knowing that it's tempting in that way. Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, wow. Does your husband appreciate you like this? Because, man, he should. Those sorts of things. But it doesn't even have to apply to the whole sexuality thing. It goes across the board morally, tempting you to stretch yourself and bend yourself ethically. You know, oh, nobody's going to know if you do this, that, and the other. It's no big deal. It's just its like a curve. You're not like breaking the rule. You're just kind of bending the rule. We have those tempting relationships in our lives. Or maybe it's, it's something like conversation. You get around these people, and you're tempted to talk like these people. You get around these people, you're tempted to drink like these people. You get around these people, and you engage in the activities that they're engaging with because they're just tempting to you, right? Right? We need to guard ourselves against those kinds of relationships. Or maybe it's like a materialism thing. You get around someone who's super ultra materialistic and then you find yourself caring about materialistic things for the next two weeks because you spent time with this person and it impacts you. And you realize, wait, I don't care about this stuff. Why am I caring about this stuff? Oh, because I was tempted by hanging out with this other person. It's not just sexually. It's across the board it's when you become when, when things come, become important to you that are not important to you you're tempted because the other people find them important and find value in them and so therefore you are shifting your morals your standards and your vision and your life to match up with what they got going on these are really dangerous, toxic things that we need to guard against and be aware of and stand firm on. The negativity, the, c- the controller, the-, the tempter. Because here's the deal. All of these situations, all of these relationships, they will take you away from God's best for you. They will take away from God's best for you. They will put you in a lifestyle that's not God's best design. And so how do we, how do we effectively and biblically manage toxic relationships. How do we do that? I've I've narrowed it down to two main ideas that I think we can take away today. Two main ideas of ways that we can manage this stuff. Two ways that we can kind of navigate this stuff, okay? The two ways are this, and they both start with a B. Boundaries or bounce, okay? I'm using a little slang there for those of you who don't understand it. I'll explain in a second. But boundaries or bounce, I think those are the two ways that we manage this toxicity in our relationships, this toxicity in our lives where people are are, are doing this around us. So boundaries, don't compromise your values. Establish boundaries. Don't allow people to pressure you or to manipulate you or to push you into areas that you're uncomfortable with that go against your principles and your values. Well, well, Sam, uh, Jesus loved everybody, didn't he? He loved everybody the same, didn't he? Yeah, that's, that's true, yes. But he didn't treat everybody the same. He didn't respond to everybody the same. He didn't engage everybody in the same way. Right? We have to establish boundaries. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, it tells this story of Jesus. He's talking to his disciples, and he's laying out like, hey, this crucifixion thing is going to go down. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be nasty. Way way worse than that gangrene picture. It's going to go down. And Peter hears this, and he's like, no, Jesus, don't do that. That's not what's right. That's not what you should do. We should do something else. And he tries to compromise Jesus' vision and values and the whole purpose that he's here. And you know how Jesus responds to him? He comes at me. He says, "Yo, get behind me, Satan." Now, I don't encourage you to do that to like your mother-in-law or something like that. Okay, maybe use different verbiage. Okay, when this in, in real-life application. Okay, let's let's use a little a little uh, you know thought behind it. But he says, "Hey, listen, get behind me, Satan," because Peter was trying to get him off mission. Peter was tr- Peter was trying to 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 re-guide and redirect, and Jesus is like, "Nah, man." Uh Uh-uh, there's boundaries here. You need to back off. And that's the reality for us as well. But here, listen, here's the the major key of this. Here's a little DJ Kala for you, okay? Here's what's super important, super important about your boundaries. You must speak your boundaries. You must speak your boundaries, Okay? You can't just hope that they're going to absorb your boundaries through your aura or through the universe or good vibes or whatever it is you write on Facebook, right? You can't just hope that they're going to know your boundaries and that it's going to work out positively, okay? You have to speak your boundaries. When Peter comes at Jesus and starts doing all this stuff, Jesus is not like, oh, yeah, <laughs> well, maybe, we'll think about it. <laughs> He's like, nah, bro, that ain't happening, all right? This is the path. This is where I'm headed. This is how this thing is going, Right? And it needs to be the same with us about our boundaries. When there's language or dialogue or talking that we're not cool with, we can't just hope that they realize that we're not cool with it. People are not that intuitive these days. We have to speak our boundaries. something I, I've shared this before. when I was a youth pastor, um, I did a talk on Ephesians 4:29. And many of you guys have heard this before. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good and positive and uplifting for those who hear it, right? And so I did this talk in my youth group because there were these <laughs> gossip going on over here. <laughs> this person hates this person, whatever. I was like, all right, Ephesians 4.29. And so from that point forward, any time that anybody was doing any of that stuff, that was our code word. It was like, yo, Ephesians 4.29, you ladies, should you be talking about that? Or guys over here joking, hey, Ephesians 4.29, man, y'all, y'all, y'all good? Y'all good? And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, Sam. Yeah, we got it. But we're speaking those boundaries. We're making them very, very clear. Because that's so important when we're trying to guard against this toxicity sneaking in and creeping in and coming into our lives. Jokes and humor and, and, and critical discussions. Listen, don't engage it. Don't don't condone it. Don't just be agreeable. When someone says something that's incredibly inappropriate around you, don't just be like, uh <laughs> ha. Because you don't want to be uncomfortable. You don't want things to be weird. Guys, we got to guard against this toxicity. Speak your boundaries, physical boundaries in a dating relationship or or an engaged relationship or whatever. Listen, discuss your boundaries. Talk about it on the front end. Don't wait until you're hot and heavy and blood has flown to certain areas of the body to sit down and say, Hey, let's have a discussion about boundaries. Okay? Not going to work. Don't wait until after the date and the presents and the cards and the kisses on February 14th, which is Thursday now that I know, and then say, hey, let's discuss boundaries. Right? These things need to be thought of preemptively. Same thing with activities and time. The way that we we give our time to people and the activities that we engage in. Listen, don't go certain places and engage in certain activities. Establish boundaries. If you're a recovering alcoholic and all the guys want to go out to the bar after work, it's probably not a good idea for you to just go along, establish boundaries. People will respect you for establishing boundaries. And if they don't, it leads me to my next point. The way that we manage this toxicity is either boundaries or bounce. Sometimes... We have to eliminate the toxicity. Sometimes we just got to part ways. That's the reality of it. Well, Sam, that's not very loving. That's not very Christ-like. Listen, we see it all the time in the the, the scriptures. We see it all the time in the Bible. We see it, Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement about, you know, the ministry of some guy. And they're like, hey, it it became kind of a big deal. And they were like, okay, listen, this is cool. We don't agree. We're not going to do this. Barnabas, you're going to go do ministry over there. Paul, you're going to go do ministry over there. We're going to bounce. We're just going gonna to call it what it is. You go do your thing, I'll go do my thing, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 7, which is like way old school, way Old Testament for the people of Israel, it talks about that, that the Israelites, the Hebrews, should not marry people of false gods, there should be boundaries there. They should bounce from that equation. They shouldn't intermingle with that. There should be a separation of relationship there. That shouldn't happen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 4, again, that Paul guy, writing a letter to the church in Corinth, he talks about not being unequally yoked. Meaning don't enter into covenant relationships with people who have different values and priorities than you do. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't enter covenant relationships, covenant work relationships covenant family relationships, covenant marriage relationships, he says, stay away from that. There needs to be a a bounce that happens there. Because if your boundaries are consistently violated or ignored or abused, and toxicity keeps rearing its head and you keep getting sucked in, you may need to split ways. You may need to cut ties and end the relationship because here's the deal. You may want to love them from a distance when their proximity is poisonous to you. You understand? You may want to love them from a distance when their proximity is poisonous to you. Now let me throw this out, just like I threw out the whole mental health piece at the beginning. A little disclaimer here. Listen, this is not about avoiding bad and insulating you with Christians and all this stuff. It's not so much about avoiding bad as much as it is about filling ourselves with good. It's not so much about walking around in fear and saying, oh, I'm afraid of this, and I'm afraid of that, and I'm not going to engage there, there, I'm not going to go anywhere that's not a Christian organization, right? We talked all about this a few weeks ago. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying avoid the bad, scary world around you, okay? I'm saying be intentional about filling yourself with good. Be intentional about not letting all that other crap sneak in and creep in, and then you find yourself a toxic cesspool, right? This is about being intentional, about filling ourselves with good, filling ourselves with godliness, filling ourselves with pursuit of the Holy Spirit, filling ourselves with these sorts of things, okay? And so maybe you're in here this morning and you're hearing all this and you're saying, okay, there's there's, there's a few places that you could go with this. There's a few ways you could respond to this. Maybe you're in here this morning and you need to spend some time identifying the toxic people in your life. Maybe some of you, as I was talking, you were like, Bing, 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 bing. You got all kinds of alarms going off going, yeah, yep, uh uh-huh, yep, yes. And you're just going through your head going, man, that's toxic, that's toxic, this is toxic, that's toxic. Maybe you need to spend a few minutes this morning kind of being honest with yourself, being introspective and saying, man, what kind of toxicity do I have maybe just creeping into my life? What kind of toxicity do I have? Am I allowing to speak into me, to shape me, to craft me, to mold me, to move me? Who am I just allowing to just throw their hat in the ring? So maybe this morning we need to spend some time saying, are there people in my life that are negative, consistently negative? Are there people in my life that are controllers? Are there people in my life that are tempters? Or maybe something else that's toxic that I didn't cover. This is not all inclusive. Maybe there's something else that's, that's, that's throwing toxicity into you and your spirituality and your faith journey. Maybe you need to spend a few minutes just kind of identifying that and saying, okay, how do I respond to that? Maybe you need to establish boundaries. Maybe you're in here and you know those toxic relationships, you know those toxic people, and you just need to create some parameters to guard your heart. Create some parameters to guard your mind. Create some parameters to guard your soul. Create some parameters to protect yourself and establish some boundaries. Or maybe you need to bounce. For some of us, that might be the reality. Maybe the boundaries have been established, they've been discussed, and they're just crapped on day in and day out. And so maybe it comes to a point where you need to bounce. You need to love them from a distance because their proximity is poisonous to you. It's poisonous to your spirituality. It's poisonous to who God has called you to be and where God wants you to go. And so maybe there's some friendships in here that you need to, you know, call it quits. You've tried, you've given it a good run, but you know it's not good for you and you need to love them from a distance because their proximity is poisonous. But wherever you are in this decision-making journey, I feel like all of us have somebody we're thinking about. All of us have something in our hearts and our lives that we can do business with God about this morning. And so the band's going to lead us in another song and we've been intentional to create a little space, a little bit of time here at the end of service for you to do business with God. And so maybe you need to, to identify the toxic people. Maybe you need to identify some boundaries. Maybe you need to identify some situations where you need to bounce. Maybe you need to bust out your phone and not even sing along but get in your Google Keep or get in your text messages and create a list. These are some people I need to do some business with this week. Maybe you need to make a list. These are some people I need to establish some boundaries with this week. Maybe you need to make a list. These are some people I need to take the coffee this week and say, hey, I'm bouncing. Love you, but I'm going to love you from a distance. Because our proximity to each other is poisonous. So wherever you are in all of that, we want to give you the opportunity to do business with God. So let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.